0: This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the batmanuniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat Family at the batmanuniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the batmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. <laughs>
1: Hey, I'm Dustin This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello,
2: everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my
1: podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number seven of season 13. We're going to have a couple of reviews for you and a special treat for one of them. In addition to myself, Ian, and my regular co-hosts,
0: this is Steph.
1: And this is Theo. We also have special guest, Batgirl to Oracle creator and host, Stella.
3: I am here against my will.
1: (laughs) This is against her will, but we wanted to get her insights, because this is something that she's been advocating for. How long would you say you've been wanting this to happen? (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Um... Kind of at least since at Burnside
3: least the started. Burnside. I'm yeah, I would say probably, especially when they teamed up when Jim was Batman yeah. and they fought against. So that's like five um, yeah, years. At least, I mean, there were clearly time. You know, if you look back at Row back Year One, which is one of my favorite stories. I mean, he's there is some suspicion there that he should know that that's his daughter standing. Right- Right in front of him. But yeah, so we'll just say Burnside and give them some grace. But it probably should be way longer.
2: World. I mean, and he had the, for the, for the longest, he had the title of the world's worst cop. Because he couldn't <laughs> figure out the fact that his daughter was standing right next to him. The well, simple-
1: I have a, an article coming out on the website in which I go through three different times when Jim found out that Barbara was Batgirl. So... <laughs> If you want to check out some of the history, or as Dustin says, the history, <laughs> the history. Um, you can check that out when it. Thank posts. you. But I think this time this will stick. It'll stick, I think, at least for a year. Hopefully, three. All right, so we're gonna start with our review. <laughs> hopefully,
3: three. I, I don't. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I say so three because uh, Tiny I don't has know. This is this
3: be interesting.
1: Titan has does? a three-year plan for both Batman and the Joker, and then he's off.
3: I see. Okay, so once he's gone, yeah, all bats... You know, honestly, I don't even... I have been so burned by DC, and specifically DC Editorial. Julie Chen, I believe her name is. That, um, <laughs> you know, they'll just forget about it instantly. And then I'll have to bring this issue up again, be like, you remember when this sort of thing happened? Or there'll be some sort of... Um, brainwashing you know how dick became rick maybe jim will become jam
1: i think and uh I think jam Superman will have will forgotten kiss all jim about Garden, it and then he'll forget everything
3: yes it could be it could be so maybe i should be cautiously optimistic about this it's a big thing it is a big thing we're gonna get into it obviously but um it's a long time coming and so that's why i'm a bit aggrieved that it happened in this book. That's one major reason why I am aggrieved. For, but you, ta- I'm so sorry. I've taken over your show.
1: For our <laughs> listeners, Stella has set her name to Stella, who hates Joker.
3: <laughs> yes, as my little avatar is. Yeah, a little Angry Bird backgirl.
2: Yeah. See, I miss the days when, ever Stella introduced herself, she was a growing peach or a crying. <laughs> I I, I tried to honor her, but Mm. it didn't come to fruition. It didn't stick.
3: Oh, well, I appreciate the effort.
1: All right. So we're going to start with a summary of The Joker number two. Jim meditates on the cost of life as we see flashes of Cressida, the woman who hired him to kill the Joker, a young woman being experimented on at Santa Prisca, like Bane was. Batman finally responds to Jim's makeshift bat signal, and Jim insists he come inside his apartment to discuss the woman's offer, have his people investigate who's hiring him, and demands access to the bat computer. Batman insists that he be called in when the Joker is found. But Jim counters by revealing he knows Oracle and Batgirl are his daughter. Jim monologues about the network, where Gotham's supervillains go when they escape and aren't executing crimes. We see Joker being approached by Desmond, one of the network's operatives, demanding he leave for slaughtering his safehouse neighbors. But Joker says he's leaving a false trail... For his pursuers. Jim and Babs meet in the clock tower and they unburden themselves about the last several years. He tells her that Cresta asked him to assassinate the Joker. They strike a bargain. Jim will remain in contact and he won't kill Joker unless he convinces Babs it's the right thing to do. And she warns him that Joker has started a crime war that will blaze around the world and hurt anyone trying to get him themselves. We see an ultra-rich cannibal family plotting to kill and eat the Joker for killing their family member Billy in Arkham on A-Day. The woman at Santa Prisca puts on a Bane mask and identifies her enemy as the Joker. Finally, Cressida Clark is revealed as a member of the Court of Owls, also pursuing the Joker. So, first question... Do you think that there's a consistent theme here of whether a hero should kill the villain in Tynan's work? We've seen this in his Detective Comics run where Kate Kane kills uh, Clayface and the colony is a lethal version of Batman. So do you, do you think that that's something that James Tynan is really examining? Or, or what do you think about that?
0: Hmm. It does seem to be a theme he's pushing. And then you've got to read other books, like, it's not necessarily Red Hood, but Red Hood in other books, where he's just <laughs> taking out people left and right, and Grifter has no problem taking people out left and right, and then he and he works for Lucius. So it's it does seem like the Batman comics as a whole are really kind of leaning towards the, is it that bad? I mean... They're baddies. <laughs> so uh, I definitely feel like we're getting a nice, introspective, realistic—well, oh realistic. The fans have been asking, why can't you just kill him? Well, we know why you can't just kill him. But I, I do appreciate that it's—if there's one good guy who really deserves—is that the right word? To kill Joker other than Batman. It's definitely James Gordon. And it's just interesting seeing that he is he is battling with that. And I do think that it's 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 an interesting topic to bring our attention to and to at least
3: admit, yes, we are thinking about it as writers as well. I would just say, so it's been a while since I've read the Detective Comics run. I think I was still on the show when that was going on. And I'm just getting back into the Batman gang, game now that – I've got an, a vested interest in the whole thing. So I do see how it could potentially be a theme, but I also feel like it's not, it, it doesn't make Tinyin's work distinct because I think this is something that pops up consistently. Uh, is Batman, are Batman's ways obsolete? Is it just too much? This revolving door, whether it's in Blackgate or Arkham's Arkham Asylum. You've, you've got to take him out somehow. And so I, that's always, he always rubbed up against certain vigilantes like Huntress, you know, who I, I tried to defend. I'm a Huntress apologist. As and you yeah, should. so I think Huntress it's just something great. that repeatedly comes into play. <laughs> Maybe it, it seems like it's, you know, a, a newer theme or a consistent one. Maybe we haven't seen it as much as we have now. And it's like really being thrown at us, but I just feel like it's, Old For me, it it doesn't seem original for me. I think Batman is really set in his ways and he's an honorable man and he tries to push that honor through with the the members in his family and fight against people who don't do that. And so he's always I think his his value system is always going to bump up against other people. And at times it might make him think about things in a different way, especially this. This is pretty heavy right here that Jim is considering. I mean, he uses litotes, which is an understatement, to say he's not not considering it and doesn't even answer Batman's question at one point where he says, be sure to call me. He's like, that makes sense. So to have someone, this pillar of honor and respectability and even someone who in my hated storing joke he said yeah you gotta take them away be the considering this is huge so to have those two value systems which more or less i think we're in line i think that's something that is actually more interesting rather than having um the other stuff going on just what does it take potentially for oh no I just realized where I was going with this. What does it take for a good man to kind of fall <laughs> down or lose his value system? Oh, no, no. The killing joke right there. But it kind of seems that way, right? And Batman's there, and is Batman ever changing? But, oh, James Gordon, doesn't he? Is he ever changing? Um, so I guess short answer is, yes, it's a theme, but I feel like I've seen it before, so it's nothing new. But the more compelling is seeing Jim kind of wrestle with this, and maybe in the future of this particular title, go up against Batman and his value system.
2: I'm just gonna say, as Stella mentioned, you know, this is something that we have seen several times before, and in all honesty, you know, it, it's it's unique to the Batman universe as well as you know perhaps Superman. You know, this notion of the heroes don't kill. I mean, but I mean, we've seen the likes of heroes doing just that. just that for some reason, I mean, well, not for some reason, but in the Batman universe, you know, Bruce has this oath that he will take no life. And he, 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 he pushes that to those in the family, you know, whereas we've, we've seen Diana break a neck. We've seen uh, (laughs) Aquaman, Killed many of times we've seen you know heroes do what needs to be done we We see the reaction when a bat family member you know breaks breaks that vow you know we see the bat torn from kate's chest we see Jason get the hell beat out of him by Batman so it, it, we we always skirt along and and you know this question of whether a hero can kill, I think it's an easy answer to make anywhere, but in the Batman universe, simply because of the vow uh, from, from Batman to take no life. So we'll always see this and, and I have no, I have no problem exploring it and even crossing that line. And I know in, in, you know, in the the last episode, when we did cover Joker, we questioned whether or not Jim will finally get there. And you know, compared to Bruce, he's 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 the one that you know more than anyone has all the reason in the world to want the Joker to die. We 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 see what he's done to Barbara. He calls James Junior to jump off a building. And he killed Jim's wife in no No man's land. So he has literally taken his entire family from him at one point or another. So if anyone has a reason to want to take him out and leave him out, although we know DC would never let that happen, it's, it's, it's Jim Gordon.
1: I agree. I don't think that this is necessarily unique to Tynan. And I think that there's plenty of stuff that he does that isn't particularly focused on that question. So... I think that when you deal with the Joker and you put James Gordon in the front and center, you do have to wrestle with that question of the killing joke, because I think almost all people in Jim's place would not have his strength of character to say no. So I'll be very interested. And if the killing joke
2: was never brought into continuity, we, we would have an entirely different conversation but hey, they decided to bring it in during rebirth and so, you know, we are where we
1: are. Yeah. It would be an interesting choice to get rid of it because I don't they are actually using a question of the implant right now. They're they're making the implant unreliable as a reason why Barbara is choosing not to be Batgirl full time and Stephanie and Cassandra are her field agents. Um but they haven't been doing that for the past ten years, and very few of her storylines would need the Killing Joke to be canon. I think. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. I think it's really because the Killing Joke just sells so much that it's still canon. And it's possible that it has,
2: but it just it was just that it wasn't actually recognized until at one page, Uh Dorn burnside in Rebirth where it was actually acknowledged so you know it, it's possible that all this time it was
1: canon and no one just i'm trying to remember i i didn't read death of the family very closely stella did you read that
3: I you mean, know, if i were to think about it you don't really need the killing joke for for Barbara. i mean she can be injured i think the killing joke is more does more harm than good for the character. I mean, the only good, which is a huge good, obviously is John Ostrander and Kim Yale pulling that character up out of this terrible lagoon. She was thrown into and making her into Oracle, but she could have been injured in another way. And, and that story just does a disservice to the character because she's, she has zero agency. She's just used. I mean, it's, it's a woman in refrigerator. You guys know this, um, So, yeah, it's just unnecessary. I mean, I would more like to have her injured in the line of duty, like doing something active and it it happens. Like she knew that that was a possibility and in, in what she's doing and she's injured like that rather than the hot cocoa, which I feel like the hot chocolate that pops up in here is a nod to the killing joke, but that could just be me over being overly sensitive. I so, think you know, you're people- right.
1: Actually. I, I mean, it was <laughs> such a big thing in, um, Batgirl and the birds of prey where she talks about the smell of cocoa and marshmallows. Yeah. I, yeah. I James Tynan like reads everything. So I really think yeah. that was a purposeful thing.
2: I really need to find the episode where Stella discussed
1: her hate of the Killing thing. <laughs> oh, it's a great I episode. Mean, I... <laughs> was that the Colin episode?
3: Yeah, it's two parts. Yeah, it was a Colin, and then yeah, well, first Don and I, yeah, really pulled that that uh, piece of literature apart. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Next question: Does the network seem plausible in the universe of Gotham? Um, since Tynan clearly loves the conspiracy plots uh, because of his independent title, The Department of Truth. um, We now have, let's see, we have the network, we have the Court of Owls, we have this cannibal serial killer family. That's three conspiracies all coming together. Um, Maybe four if you include the Santa Prisca secret experiments that are creating another Bane. Do, Do you like this? I know Steph was talking a bit about her reaction to the revelation that the Court of Owls is a major player.
0: I think it's... Cool. After I... So this is this is on our little private uh, Discord server. It's not even the server. It's just the chat between us three hosts. And I was just whining about Ugh, it's more conspiracies. It's like, why are there so many? There's just so many people involved with all these conspiracies. It's like no one in Gotham is not part of a conspiracy group. But then I realized, I think it really is more the Court of Owls that gets under my skin. Because they are the elite. And there can't be that many in Gotham. I'm sure there's, you know, the 1% or whatever. But there's a limited quantity of people who can be in the Court of Owls. And these people have to be part of Bruce's social circle and it just drives me crazy that these serial killers murder I don't know what I don't know what they consider themselves are just part of the people that Bruce sees every day and he's okay with that and he goes to the galas surrounded by the Cora Owls I think that's just stupid and it just it makes me anxious just thinking about it and I don't know I think it's just the Cora Owls that hacks me off. The network's fine. It makes sense. There should be like a worldwide network for world criminals to international criminals to take a day off and (laughs) soak soak up the rays with a pina colada by the by the pool. That's fine. That makes sense.
1: I think you really highlight a great weakness in the otherwise really popular Court of Owls story, which is. There seems to be so many people in the Court of Owls. Yeah. But how many of those people... Like, he, Scott Snyder doesn't give these people faces. He doesn't give them jobs. He's just like, they seem to always be owls, and then they disappear when they're not being owls. And I get that the idea of faceless villains who have enormous power is terrifying. But I think... It would be better, although it might decrease some of the scary factor, if you did what they're doing here a bit and revealing who they are outside of the owl mask. And I'm hoping that we see a bit more of that um, through this character of Cressida in the Joker series.
0: And to be fair, in like this big reveal, ugh, it's still an auditorium, <laughs> but there's only six, to ten, just, like there's like... T- uh, i can't count all of a sudden there's like 15 of them like it's not it's not a giant auditorium full of just rich people it's just it's i don't know but still i don't know i don't like the court of owls i find
3: it too scary <laughs> too real i guess uh i don't know how well i can answer this is i i was i read it a couple times kind of trying to figure it out and and like i said i'm getting back into the batman game so i feel like i don't have as much and i remember i mean i was around still (laughs) it seems like so long ago when the court of owls uh came up and i i guess they've just been around hanging out do that how how often may i ask this how often have they appeared in stories from let's say rebirth to now. Let's go with that. Are they frequently used?
0: Not frequently. There was once in... Was it Joker War? There was one little thing in Joker War that most people chose to ignore. It was the side, side, side story. Okay. It, 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 <laughs> that was whatever, in tech. It
2: <laughs> wasn't really the,
1: the core. It, it was the talents.
0: It was the that, talents. That's true. Oh, I see. That's, that's true. true. Okay. And then...
1: So Rebirth started with the Court of Owls in the Nightwing title by Tim Seeley. When yeah, that's what I thought. Dick Grayson coming over from um, the Grayson title he wrote with Tom King, where Tim, uh, sorry, Dick was a super spy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Dick actually takes out most of their worldwide infrastructure in the first arc of Nightwing. And then they show up again, I think, briefly in, over- in All-Star Batman. But then they do a big thing at the very beginning of metal and get wiped. A bunch of them get wiped out again there. So there's another problem. Like all these people keep getting wiped out.
2: <laughs> well, they, were also, they were also in uh, that run of Uberic when. Um,
1: oh, that's right. Yeah. When, when you know, they, they changed, when changed. They changed his memories to them. make him think he was the gray son of Gotham.
3: Okay. So they have appeared more often. I, I've not been a huge fan of the court of owls, it's not my favorite storyline that I had read uh, when Snyder was on the on the title. So I, I agree <laughs> that it is scary and constant because I, I feel like you could just put that. I mean, I'm sure you know, skull and bones society, that sort of thing. That it's we we probably really do have these uh, these sorts of people in there uh, in the world. And with the network, I mean, it makes sense that there there would be this uh, or, you know, all these bad people would would somehow have a connection with each other. It was a bit unbelievable. That one section that was talking about. (laughs) I don't it was like we don't kill each other needlessly, that whole thing, which is why everyone's upset at Joker, because he's basically been killing all of their members. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, well, that's more <laughs> I'm like, like not you don't drawing think? attention to themselves.
3: Yeah, okay. It but just seems like, of well, of course they would hide. have feuds. Yeah.
1: Like if you if you have a network designed to hide people, if you then draw a lot of attention to the area that the network has bought by killing a bunch of people, it defeats the purpose of hiding in the network.
3: It, so now it sounds like the network is a utopia. For well, villains. It's not really and utopia. It's, it's
1: more like it's, a chain of hotels, I would say.
3: Well, I'm just saying everything's working, though. It seems a bit unbelievable that all these people that probably have rival networks of their own are getting along well or, like, stay, staying clear of each other.
1: Well, we only see one member of the network, so we don't know how many people kill each other to be at the top of the <laughs> network.
3: <laughs> That's true, yeah.
1: I, I would imagine turnover is quite high. No. <laughs>
2: And to, and to answer your question, as far as is it plausible, I, I think it is because I don't, even though we're seeing it in the Batman universe, it, I, I don't think it's limited to the rogues of TBUs TB use. So I, I, I think it can fit, you know, and, and and, you know, if it was to show up in another book outside of the Batman universe, I wouldn't feel differently about it uh, simply because of, of how, how Jim and then Jim is explaining that it works. Um, And we kind of see that as, you know, as Joker goes and and simply breaks the rules of the network, you know, that's supposed to be the safe haven. And, you know, here it is, he's doing the the one thing that everyone has agreed not to do. So, but I, I do think it's something that can, that can, coexist uh, as much as we do hate the court or may not hate the court, but it, it's something that, that can coexist.
1: Well, I would say that the network makes sense also for people like Lex Luther, you know, who probably doesn't use the network himself, but he likes to have it available both to send his operatives there to, to keep them available but also, I would imagine, he has surveillance and all kinds of equipment so he can uh, exercise measures of control on the criminal underworld. You know, He's constantly making those kinds of plans where he, he seeks leverage and information that he can use against potential rivals to power. All right. Next question. Does the retgon, retcon for the conflict between Jim and Batgirl from mm. Batgirl number 50... <laughs> Does that work for you? And how do you feel about this final revelation that Jim has known for a long time that Barbara is Oracle and Batgirl?
0: Stella, do you want to go
3: first? <laughs> I don't know if I should go
1: first my or my
3: last. Heartache. Oh, great, Scott. Um, hmm. Okay. Let's be honest. Let's just throw it on the table. Batgirl 50 was an awful issue. Okay, forty nine was awful. Forty seven was awful. 50, it was it was bad. Okay, and so we have this scene. Let's rehash it, folks. Let's rehash this trauma. We have this scene with the two of them at the diner, and he's yelling and calling backroll scum of whatever, and it's terrible. Then later on, of course, he blames her for backroll for killing James. And if you don't remember, folks, that happened before in Gail Simone's back row number 19. So he's accused her twice (laughs) of killing her brother. Okay. So then we have this revelation. (sighs) Okay. So, first of all, the revelation was shocking. Just as Babs was shocked in that one panel, I too was shocked. (laughs) But it was also a long time coming. I mean, let's be honest, he is not an imbecile. He should be able to look at his daughter or at Batgirl and realize that's his daughter, especially with the costume designs that she has most recently had where the eye holes are huge. (laughs) So it's not hiding really anything. The only argument I could say on his behalf is I think something that came from No Man's Land or probably previous to that, just that he is woefully ignorant. Like, he probably knows deep down inside, but he is, he doesn't like to question it. And that was primarily about Batman, because he most definitely knows Batman, who that is. So I feel like maybe there was something with that. So he knows everything. I mean, he knows that she was Batgirl, then Oracle, then Batgirl again. So he knows that whole thing, which is really interesting. And I feel like... Well, I'm glad he's fessing up to it now. I think it also potentially portrays him in a a negative light just because there were so many times i think in that history where she was going through trauma that it would have been really good for him to be alongside of her not only as a father and daughter but be like i know that this is even more like to really show compassion that i know this is really hard because you are a hero and now you're kind of out of that game but he didn't he stayed back and and hid that that's, that knowledge from her. And, you know, she has to own up to that as well. There is that one bubble about, you know, what's worse, being the person with a secret identity or being the person who knows about the secret identity. And I totally get that. So it, it is complicated. It's not a simple issue. But I do feel like, oh, you know, what what was going on in your head space way back then? I, ugh, I can only... Kind of go along with this retcon. Um, He says it was heat of the moment. I mean, if you boil it down, that's basically it. Heat of the moment. He was really traumatized with his son, uh, feeling guilty and everything. But the fact that he took it out on her, knowing full well that that was his daughter and going after her like that and really viciously as if like treating her as an enemy is really it's hard to get past So I feel like Tanyan's doing the best he can. But unfortunately, whatever her name is, Castellucci is so sorry. Castellucci really dug a deep hole for him to get out of. So he's Tanyan's kind of in the hole and his neck maybe is on ground level. But (laughs) (laughs) he did the best he could. But I feel like, you know, if I were to rant a bit, I do have to say, two things about this whole discussion thing. Um, First of all, I find it really disrespectful to the character that this is happening in a book called Joker. Now I might be oversensitive and I I admit that that's true. Uh, As a side note, I feel like this book should be called Jim Gordon, but perhaps they didn't think that that book would sell. So they've called it Joker, but to have this huge revelation happen in a book where she's a side character and it's not really her story. Just feels like, oh, man, where's the respect coming from that? That could have been a really beautiful moment in her book, in in a good book that she had. <laughs> uh, the other thing is just that he is saying he's going to kill the Joker for her. And, and come on, she can protect her own damn self. He doesn't need to say that to her so that I also have a problem with that. But to keep this all short, because I could rant and rant, it's it's okay i'd give it a c minus of a retcon but tanyan did the best that he could but i, I think it was just so bad what he was doing and how he was treating barbara that it's hard to who it's hard to reconcile that with like oh i knew that was you when i was basically calling you really terrible names even if it was the heat of the moment that would have been the time to be like barbara why did you do this to your brother But uh, yeah, that's, those are my thoughts. I shall cut them short.
1: I agree completely with that last, it would have been a better time, but do we really want Castellucci to write that?
3: oh no she couldn't she couldn't i mean she lost that privilege when she created this really damaging uh cycle that she put them in and it needs to be somebody else but apparently barbara's not going to get her own book but i just feel like it needed to be in a barbara book not barbara in a joker book that should be like a jim gordon book it's it just seemed very bizarre for me well i think you've summarized it
0: just so well yes uh Tanyan here is is trying to polish a turd, which MythBusters proved you could do, but it is very hard, and I don't think this turd is very polishable. Um, but you know, he's he's trying. It's it's definitely more denial than actual retcon. <laughs> it's just public denial, which is fine. It's it's like it's like your train is going in the wrong direction, and he just he's God, and he picked it up and he put it on the right track. And it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense. It's just, it's on the right track now. And that's okay. And yes, I agree. There is a bit of a, uh, I don't know if it's disrespect, but it is a little sad. It's like, this is a Bebra, a Bebra. This is a better Batgirl book than Batgirl was. Mm. And that's so sad. That's all I've really got. I don't want to try to outdo Stella.
3: <laughs> oh, I mean, by <laughs> I all means. I couldn't. No, no, I couldn't even come close. What's interesting, though, is, you know, bringing up that that Tanyan's even attempting this. So does that say to you, because it kind of says to me that what the bad offices or at least Tanyan thought, did he read Casalucci's Is like, what is this garbage? And then he decided to take that for himself and fix it. I mean, that's pretty crazy for me. And again, I call you out, Julie Chen, that uh, you should have caught that in the first place. And that should never have been put to print if it's if it's causing this much uh, repercussions, I guess, in the end. So that just like is astounding to me that we've got kind of the head Batman writer has noticed something that should never have been done. the And now he's got to fix it.
1: Well, my understanding of the creative process for Joker War is that Tynan actually wrote a ton of it before the pandemic started. And then the Bad Office, as it often does, tried to get everyone to tie in. And so <laughs> yeah. Um They did that, but Tynan wasn't there's only one writer you can tell that Tynan collaborated with, and that's Ram V, because Ram V in Catwoman tied Joker War directly. It's almost like a Catwoman number twenty-five is almost directly a chapter of the Joker War storyline. Everything else is completely disposable and clearly written long after the main storyline had been decided. I think that Tynan in his newsletter has said that he wasn't sure if he was gonna keep being able to write for DC. He thought he was just a filler for Batman. And Oh wow. A lot of us also felt that way. We thought that Tynan is a placeholder for the next guy, which has gotta not feel good. And so I think Tynan's been pretty open. He he didn't feel very good about that. He he was feeling like maybe he'd have to quit writing comics and help Scott Snyder run his business, and he just wasn't sure. But with the success of his independent titles, Something is Killing the Children and um, Department of Truth, and also the, the success of Joker War in sales, Tynan now has a plan, and he's also doing a lot to coordinate the bat office. And he wasn't able to do that before. There's all these... Weird office politics and stuff that he wasn't able to manage even when he was the Batman writer because he felt like he was a temporary Batman writer. Now he's the permanent Batman writer, and so he feels like he has the ability and, and the space to make big changes and try and get people to work together. And if you read Tom Taylor's Nightwing and what Batman's doing, what Tynan's doing here with Barbara, both in the Batman title and the Joker title, it's clear that they're talking with each other where mm-hmm. he wasn't able to really talk with Castellucci or uh, Dan Jurgens on Nightwing. So I think that things are looking up, but I think that last year was a year of such chaos with both the pandemic and all the staffing crises. I mean, you had the the firing of Dan Didio and Bob Harris and so many other editors were let go. And so now they're starting to try and put things back together and have a functioning office, but dealing with the, the results of the chaos in the comics themselves, I think we're seeing those kinds of things with this retcon. So Ian touched upon a lot. Um, I'm simply going to say, first and foremost,
2: anything that retcons,
3: I'll
2: use the word trash (laughs) that we got at the end of Castellucci's Batgirl run, is okay with me. Was it hit out of the park? Of course it wasn't. You know, it 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 was a turd, for lack of better words. But as long as it get rid, as long as it gets rid of what we got in those last few issues. I mean, if there was a way to retcon. Everything Castellucci did during her run on Batgirl, I would be okay with. I, I, I was not a reader of Batgirl, but I started reading it as I was added as a host to the podcast, and I, I that was not. I, I don't know on on what level they thought that. What was coming out on those pages Was good um, Now I, I, Ian mentioned How Great things seem to be coordinated Now uh, With Tynan And the bad office That we haven't seen before And I absolutely totally agree And I could only imagine How things could have been Had Tom King had done the same thing you know, I don't know if if he didn't want it that way or if DC editorial didn't want it that way. I mean, we've seen stories of you know the girl writers not being included in in the, in the Bat office meetings. Castellucci mentioning that she didn't want to be included in any of the meetings.
3: What? So- no, keep going.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 it's it's it's. It's interesting, but it's so breath of fresh air. And, you know, when you hear Ian talk about what Tom King is doing in Nightwing, you know, knowing he is not a Tom King fan, you know, that that show... Tom, Tom Taylor, just to clarify. Tom, yeah, Tom Taylor, I'm sorry. That, that goes to show what a little bit of coordination will do for a universe that's supposed to be Connected with each other And it is it's, it's such a breath of fresh air That you can look through the pages Of the different books And see And see where Things align together I mean, you even even In Second Son You know, which is The prequel for uh, Future State You can basically fit that in Into what Tynan is doing in the universe. And that's okay. That's, that's, that's what we as readers want. So yeah, if, 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 if Castellucci's run is done and retconned, you know, those last few issues with seeing how Jim treated Barbara after James' death was just downright terrible. And, you know, should not have been led to a print house in any way, shape or form. So let's just continue, you know, things as they are.
1: Uh, Theo has has basically said what I would like to say about uh, the previous run of Batgirl. Um, I think that there is something to what Stella is saying about the difficulty of doing this in a book that isn't Barbara's book. Um, and I think that 's partly because d c has squandered barbara 's book for so long that they want something this important for big characters and i I recently have been talking with some people who do sales analysis, and Barbara is uh pretty consistently the number one um, best selling female character at d c she outsells Wonder Woman regularly, which I don't know if I'd say that's sad, because I do love Barbara, and I love Batgirl, but it is something to, to be aware of. And the fact that they've run that character into the ground so badly that they don't think that they can have this take place in a Batgirl series really, I think, is a indictment on DC Editorial and their handling of Barbara and Batgirl. Um, that being said, I just looking at the story itself, this was so exciting to me because I lived through the last time that James revealed, uh, not James, uh, Barbara revealed her identity to James. And unfortunately it took place right before a crisis. And so it was immediately erased. Um, so I'm very excited that this is not taking place right before crisis is actually taking place right after the crisis of death metal. So, It is something that they are going to have to deal with going forward, Uh, again, for at least uh, one to three years, depending on how sales are. Um, But it's not something that they can just wipe away. Now, they could kill James off, um, which would be extremely sad to me. But it is a simple solution to, well, now James knows Batman's identity and Barbara's identity. I hope that it doesn't do that. But I am afraid it will, because this is a very dark story. Um, We have Joker is very clearly the embodiment of evil in the DC universe, and James is walking a dark path in his pursuit of this embodiment of evil. So we'll have to see if he's able to maintain that. And I believe in my heart that he will, but that doesn't mean he'll make it out alive.
2: And, and you know, and we kind of discussed this again the last time we 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 discussed the first when we discussed the first issue of Joker. If if DC is now saying that it's it's okay to kill off Jim Gordon, who is as integral to Batman and the Batman universe, you know, as perhaps Alfred is, you know they should be willing to kill the Joker as well, especially considering no one stays dead in the, in, in comics, unless it's uncle Ben. So just, you know, this notion of, you know, we, it's like Steph, Steph, not Steph, like Stella mentioned, you know, this, this is more of a Jim Gordon story than a Joker story, but you know, DC feels the Joker sells, so we're going to call it Joker. And, you know, it, it's, that's exactly it. You know, as we look at this story, it has been a Jim, a Jim Gordon story. And, you know, this notion of just the idea of, of, for me, of, of, of Jim being taken out, you know, at the end of this, at the end of this mini run, you know, it's, it's, not something I, I look forward to, and I won't be pleased at all.
3: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, Ew. I don't even like you saying that. I want to defriend you on all platforms now, <laughs> Ian. So this is the last time that we will be speaking.
1: So <laughs> my heart is broken.
3: <laughs> I, I do at least want to. Con- I do want to comment on that, and I just want to say as a follow up to. Barbara being, you know, a top seller and them running into the ground. Another issue is just they don't understand who the character is. It just got so far from who Barbara was that each time I was opening up a comic, I'm like, I don't I don't even know who you are anymore. No one understands who this character is. So that's another issue. But I do feel like reading What I've been reading now in Batman, and and even grudgingly, this and (laughs) Nightwing to a certain extent, though she's only appeared a bit. Um, that I feel like maybe we're getting back into the flow of who this is. And, and I think also seeing her with Stefan Cass, I think we might get back to basics of who this character is because I think you can really see something special when she's put up against the younger generation. So to get back to killing James off, a horrifying idea that I, I've never thought of. Now, we've kind of done this before with with um officer down and in that story batman i don't mean to batsplain i would just say you know what my thoughts are so i apologize in advance but in that story batman completely shuts down and he's useless and barbara who should be the one shutting down is the 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 bulwark that is helping shoulder everyone else's burden which is completely inappropriate for people to do that to her if this were to happen in this book, due to the, how dark it is, because boy, is it. I mean, I think I turned. I don't know if it was this issue or the other one where there's like a woman on a table and like someone was eating her. I'm like, what am I reading right now? But this book is so dark that I am afraid of what the what it would mean for Barbara and her character if her father were to be killed. And I'm afraid that they would take her down a dark dark journey and then i would take back everything i said about understanding who the character is so i I fear that and i also feel like barbara is unique she's not the only one but she is unique in the bat family as being someone who took on this role and the cowl out of a sense of duty and depending on your continuity um because of her love and respect for her father and and being someone for Gotham that her father was and there's no trauma associated with taking that on yes there's trauma later in her life but then all of a sudden you're almost retroactively giving her trauma by taking someone away which would have been the building blocks of any other hero and and that almost makes it derivative like oh look someone lost an, another character lost their parent and so I feel like let's not. Let's be original and not doing that and, and going down a different road. So I have many problems with with killing Jim off. But, you know, the fact that I would say you're ridiculous, Ian. How dare you? No one would ever do that. But because they killed Alfred off, I feel like anyone – it's like Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, your favorite character is not safe because he could get the axe. But – that's really troubling, and now I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight.
2: Especially after the gray hair comes back, we we finally get you <laughs> the gray hair back, and now these idiots are thinking that they well, um, mm. not actually, um, but the possibility of them killing them off is just <laughs> unacceptable, unacceptable. Yeah, I,
1: I would like to defend my honor in saying that I did not come up with this idea, <laughs> and I really hope they don't do it. Um, It was actually a person on a different Discord server who said, I really think this is going to be the last Jim Gordon story. And I was like, no, my reaction was exactly the same. I just have been dealing with having this theory in my head for about a month now. So I um, have come to terms with it a little bit. I still really hope it doesn't happen.
3: Was that person on the Discord server named Ian Beta? And it's really (laughs) you under another name?
1: (laughs) It it is not. It's actually one of uh, your friend Josh's buddies. Okay. All right. So I want to get Stella's rating of the Joker number two. Um, And we're going to do it out of Bane masks, because we have the apparently daughter of Bane character who is revealed in this issue. So out of five Bane masks, how many would you give the Joker number two? Out
3: of five Bane masks. Now, it's been a while. So in the past, Dustin did not like. Decimals. You are allowed are decimals to have allowed? as many
1: fractions as you want.
3: <gasps> <gasps> that is exceptionally exciting. Just okay, well, bit now bit let me bad. consider this. Now, it's a bit unfair for me. Well, I'll just read the story. I kind of popped on and, and just read it. Um, there are some good discussion. I feel like there are some good character moments between Batman and the commission. And, of course, the commission and Barbara. <sighs> I will give it two and three-quarter Bane masks. Oh, my goodness. Is that low? Is that that's low? That's pretty low, but we're, we're, I think we're too nice sometimes. I feel, I feel bullied now, so I'm going to say no. three. Oh, no, no,
1: no, no. no, no. I want three. the seven-five. No, no, you're Honestly, right. That you was too works. low.
3: I'm rethinking. I'm rethinking. A three out of five main Mass. Is that better? Oh, yeah, man.
1: Now my calculator no. only has to do with three. <laughs> no.
3: no, no. You didn't bully me. I'm just kidding. But you were right. It was kind of... I did like the conversations, so I'll say three. Three out of five Bane Mass.
1: Alright. Well, I want to... Thanks, Stella, so much for joining us. Um, as soon as I read this issue when we were given the review copies, I was <laughs> immediately like, oh my goodness, Stella's been asking you this for five years. We have to have her on. And I'm so glad that we could make this work. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Stella.
3: I had no choice in the matter. What? What? No, it was funny. I'm pretty sure that you may have like immediately gone to Donovan on Discord or something and said you need to make Stella read this
1: I I did and
3: I yeah and then I was gonna gonna go visit my former beloved and he's sending me screenshots like the night before I'm leaving of whatever he's like you need to read this I'm like give me a break I'm not reading anything titled Joker and he said (laughs) well I'll just make you read it and that's the first thing he made me do I arrive after seven and a half hours and he's like come on we're gonna read Joker number two it was sick but yeah, it's it was. Uh, thank you for allowing me to rant and rave, and it was a good discussion, and uh, it has given me pause certainly for things. So here's hoping, and uh, I guess this is the last time I'll speak, Ian. Be sure to, you'll get my de-friend requests <laughs> soon.
1: I will. But it, it was in also a pleasure. of teeth. <laughs>
3: oh no! Yes. And as always, this is the second time I guess I've talked. Talk to you, uh, Steph and Theo. So, thanks for uh, hosting me. Your hospitality, I appreciate it. Thank you for being here.
2: You're always welcome.
3: <laughs> always welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Except, you no, know, we'll still. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we'll sell a will say goodbye to you now.
1: All right. So, let's get to our punchline backup. The queen from the Royal Flush Gang berates her minions after Punchline's brutal beating, calling for the Ace of Spades to enact revenge. Harper Rowe reports to (laughs) Leslie Tompkins about her investigation into Punchline's past, showing social media posts boasting about knowing Punchline for fame, and tracks down Aiden Priest, one of Alexis K's oldest friends, who shows her what he knows. In prison, the Ace is revealed to be Orca, set to attack Punchline that night. So, questions. Do you think these backups add to the story and value of this book, The Joker?
0: No. No. I think these is for the glorification of Punchline, who we're supposed to love and adore. Maybe so that we don't forget her storyline and how she's manipulating Gotham, although no one in the Batman line cares. That's all Nakano and future state coming up so no no this is I think this is Tanyan's baby and that's why it's here
2: totally totally agree I, I said that with the first issue I felt that the punchline story was just being added because at some point JT was going to bring it back into the main Batman book and and I continue to feel the same way, you know, this issue, just like issue number one could have done without the story at all. And this is just there to lead up to whatever point Tynan decides he's going to finish up the uh, the punchline story in Batman and Batman and Joker coming back to do his grand plan once again.
1: And I will be the voice of contrarianism and say, Ah! I really like the uh, backup. I think it. I love backups that aren't necessarily having to be an epic story. This is a backup that fleshes out Gotham. It's similar to like a Gotham Academy or We Are Robin, where you get to see people you normally wouldn't see in a Batman title. And I I just like seeing things like the uh, tic tac, the. uh, gotham version of tiktok where people are boasting about knowing punchline because that feels very real like you know people are always seeking their 15 minutes of fame and so it just felt very plausible and grounded in a way that a lot of batman stories can't i also just think that it's a a fun setup for an orca versus punchline combat and i think that'll be pretty fun especially with mirka Endolfo drawing it
0: but your question was does it add anything to the story Ah. Like yes, it's adding to the lore, it's adding to Gothamism. Is it adding to the Joker book or to any of the storylines as they are right now?
1: I guess I was not clear in my own head about what my question meant, but <laughs> in that sense, I, I I think Theo is absolutely right. This is keeping the punchline story, you know, on a slow boil or a simmer. Um But I like that. I I think that it I think if you focus too hard on uh, the Magistrate and Nakano's plot, you get this sense that Gotham is a monoculture. And it's got, like, three to seven million people. It can't be a monoculture. So I like that um, it adds depth to the Gotham story. And I, I have faith, given how collaborative Titan is, that it will tie into other things that are going on. Second question, what do you think about the Orca reveal? Are you excited to see her fight, Punchline?
0: I am just because I've personally never seen Orca in anything but Injustice, and so I'm just happy to see how what what her deal is. I don't know anything about Orca, so this it'll be fun. And and I'm hoping she kind of beats the crap out of her. Uh, that Orca beats the crap out of Punchline, but we shall see.
2: I don't care. <laughs> this this is this is our first time seeing Orca Orca since. Um, Gotham City Monsters, when she, she she appeared there. And man, she has buffed up.
1: Was she um, more of a villain or a hero in Gotham City Monsters? She was. You no, know, she was a part of the
2: of, – well, of course, they're all villains. But she was a part of the hero group.
1: Because uh, uh, Tim but, Seeley used Orca in a sort of heroic way in his Nightwing run. So I'm kind of sad that she apparently has regressed to criminal ways and is in prison again.
2: Right. Because in in Gotham City Monsters, she mentioned her time, you know, much like uh, Frankenstein did mention, you know, doing good and doing sinister suicide squats type black ops and how like uh, Killer Croc, she just wanted to, you know, live a life and live her grief with the death of her nephew who died. Uh, And that's that's where she was, so, but yeah, she was a part of the she was a part of the heroes group with uh, Frankenstein and Croc and Lady Clayface and the rest of that crew. But no, I, I'm, I'm like I guess I, for the sake of the Joker story, I just I just don't have an interest, and I'm still not I am still not sold on. Punchline as a character, you know. If you put a gun to my head and told me to choose between her and Holly, I would take Holly, quick, fast, in a hurry.
1: That that's uh, saying quite a bit for you, and, and, and that does say say a lot,
2: you know. Especially considering my my history with with Holly, but yeah, I I just I just haven't established a connection with the character yet. And I don't know if I will, but I just haven't established, you know, outside of that origin story uh, that Tynan did. I just haven't established any type of connection with the character.
1: I think that's totally fair. Um that origin story really struck a chord with me, and I really like how both in the one shot and these backups we're really seeing a radicalization narrative, this uh, bored and seemingly well-off girl who just is so sick of everything that she decides to hurt people for fun. And I think that that's a scary narrative because I can see it happening to people, to myself, to other people. If I got lonely and bored enough, you know, there there's dark things in all of our natures. And I think that Tynan and Sam Johns are really delving into that darkness in a way that isn't as extreme as, you know, your cannibalized scenes and
2: stuff. Oh, gosh. Oh, that was...
1: Ugh. Um, so I am excited to see her fighting Orca. Um, so with that, with all of our thoughts on the, the Joker main story and the punchline backup, what is your overall rating out of five Bane masks yes. for the Joker number two?
0: I feel it was a valiant effort and very brave to say, you know all that stuff that happened in Batgirl? Screw it. Forget it. Didn't happen. <laughs> or rather, haha, um, I was just sad or whatever his excuse is. So I, I do respect that they're trying to make this a good universe and fixing, however b- badly, the book's that have come before and i just feel like the where well, i can appreciate what you're saying about the punchline story i still feel it brings down the quality of the book of as a whole so i i'm just so tempted to give these a 4.0 just cuz i think the art is so well done this is a perfect Story for Gillum, Gilliam, Mr. March, whatever. I, I, I like where it's going, even though it had to overcome some really big hurdles. But then the punchline story is just not as interesting to me. I just, I think 3.5 is what I'm going to give it as a whole.
2: As a hold, I will also give it a uh, 3.5. the punchline story suffers you know that half a point that would have made it a four for me, and you know of the of the two options that Steph listed, I'm gonna go more from i'm gonna go more towards uh haha yeah all that stuff haha, didn't happen, <laughs> but it was definitely yeah a, a great attempt at fixing you know making that turd sandwich a lot more palatable um you know it, it it's still not it's still not a cucumber sandwich but it, it it's castellucci that that issue 50 and all that stuff is gone so I will I, I'm I'm okay with that so three and a half
1: and I am going to give this a 4.5 out of five <laughs> <laughs> um, I <I'm> <laughs> loved this issue, like very few comics I've loved recently. I, Jim, Jim's voice—the way Tynan gets Jim's voice—is still just so exciting to me. The way he agonizes over whether he can be corrupt, and he says, "No, I can't," and it's for his children and his for his wife, and the way he he clearly loves his daughter, but he's in this weird place, and. This is kind of a tangent, but back when Disney bought Star Wars, my fan brain went through a break. And before that, I used to try and fit everything in in a fandom, whether it was Star Wars or Batman or anything, into one world. I tried to have everything be together so I could know it and be an expert and live in it and just enjoy as much as I could. After Disney bought Star Wars and rebooted the universe, I was like, okay, screw it. I'm just going to take what I enjoy. And uh, if I don't enjoy it, it's no longer part of the universe. So everything Castellucci wrote on Batgirl is not part of my universe anymore. So (laughs) I just look at this and I'm like, sure, if I have to read Batgirl number 50 and then read Joker number two right next to each other, there's a disconnect. But Batgirl number 50 doesn't make any sense. It's a stupid story. So I'm just going to make up a story where they were at odds. And in the heat of the moment, Jim said some bad stuff. And then... That's what he's talking about. It's not backroll number 50 because that didn't make sense.
3: Um,
1: so so let me ask this. Let me ask this.
2: So you give it a 4.5. Does excluding the punchline story make it a 5?
1: No, the punchline story actually gives it at least 0.25%. Um, 2.25 points I like the punchline story I like punchline, I like orca I like the prison drama I like Harper Row I like all the pieces that are put together in it um so, and I should mention, I forgot to put, do credits. Um, I love James Timon's writing. I love uh, Sam Johns' writing of the backup. I love Guillaume March's art for the main story. I thought it was fantastic. It was terrifying, but also the the Jim and Barbara stuff. There's so much emotion connecting them. And then uh, Mirka Andolfo's work in Punchline just has so much energy. I this book is not something I would have ever imagined saying i'd give a 4.5 but i love this book in its entirety and it could turn bad i could look back at this episode and think what were you smoking but right now i love it with my whole heart
2: yeah i think i'm gonna need to unfriend you too
1: <laughs> um and that gives us with our handy dandy uh score calculator that steph made me uh 3.65 average score out of all four of our scores oh my goodness Uh, the mode is a 3.5 so that should make uh, our our most people happy our most people alright so we're gonna take a quick break from a word from our review solicitor and when we come back we will review Batman number 107
0: whether you are a first time TBU Comics podcast listener A 13 year veteran, or anything in between. We'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TBU Bat Family and let us know what you think.
2: I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am
1: Batman! Batman number 107. Written by James the fourth. Illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. Colors by Tomu Mori. In the future, Batman struggles to fight Scarecrow's fear toxin. In the present, he investigates the Scarecrow left in Nakano's house, with Oracle watching over him. He notices that no fear gas was used at the scene, but new Commissioner Montoya ambushes him. And after a tense exchange, he uses a flashbang grenade to escape. Meanwhile, Harley Quinn stops a clown henchman with a knife and attempts to recruit him to do good instead of harm. The police arrive and she assaults them, requiring rescue from Ghostmaker, as a mysterious woman called the Gardener watches with strange plant dogs at the clock tower. Babs and Batman plot strategy against Scarecrow and the Unsanity Collective, led by Master Wise with a Y, as elsewhere, Simon Saint receives a dark visit from the Scarecrow himself. In The Narrows, Matches Malone applies to join the Unsanity Collective. So, what do you think of Harley's plotline and actions? We see here first her solo attempts to become heroic.
0: I think it's interesting we're seeing her kind of almost over exuberance for helping people who are criminals become good. Um, I think it's good she recognized that this guy, Mr. Stabby, <laughs> um, in particular, was not ready for that. He needed medication. Um, I do worry, though, that that means she's going to start putting people in her fold who are not actually. On the side of good, and are either just faking it or don't want to go to prison, or if she's going to kind of end up with her own sort of semi suicide squad—not really suicide squad—but um, I think it's interesting. Question mark. Um, I feel like she needs some more training on how to be a good discerning discerner of character <laughs> and proper decision making in in under pressure. But I I feel like she's getting there slowly.
2: The first thing that I got, you know, especially when thinking about Harley is they really seem like they're gonna they're setting something up between she and and Ghostmaker. And I'm not necessarily saying something romantic, but the something's going to happen between those two. They're going to, they're going to come to blows or, or something. Um, and you know, like we mentioned a few episodes back when we discussed, where do we see Holly going? I I still stand by the, the idea that she's going to mention that this goody two-shoe thing isn't for her. And, and she's going to find herself at, uh, looking to travel to the network and uh, being in the rogues gallery again. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of her challenging herself and the challenges facing her uh, as she tried to battle, you know, the psyche of being a hero compared to her previous life. Um, but in the end, I, I think, you know, especially, you know, once we get to this, this Queen Ivy storyline that we will probably see her um, go back to her, her evil ways, minus Mr. J.
1: I think that'll be really interesting. I personally don't know what's going to happen with Harley. Um I didn't enjoy it as much this time because she's not – I mean you can see her good intentions, but she's still so instinctively violent and isn't quite able to figure out how to guide someone. Like someone who whose first response is, is violence, trying to counsel someone who is another violent person to be less violent is just – it's difficult to watch because I want both of them to get better, to get help. And I worry that this will backfire. You know, she'll, she'll turn her own intentions into a conflagration of violence. And I think that will be tragic, but um, we'll have to wait and see. I could be wrong in where I think this might be going. Maybe Harley will continue to, to grow as a heroic type of character does so we we previously had uh Harvey Bullock as commissioner uh now we have Renee Montoya Harvey's former partner as commissioner what do you think of her
0: it does bother me that people with a history with Batman are getting on the Nakanō train and uh i don't know Like, she seems to be holding back as much as she can. And she does let him, like, leave. But, I don't know. Like, it's a good point. There's a civilian who is disturbing a crime scene and is probably tampering with evidence. But that's been Batman's MO for (laughs) 80 years. Um, It does bother me a bit. But, I don't know. She's also got to do her job but it still bothers me.
2: Of of the GCPD trio, uh, that is Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock and Renee uh, Montoya, of the three who I could easily see being my mask anti-vigilante top or commissioner, it would be Montoya. She is probably of the three the straightest, you know, as far as going straight by the book. Uh, and and I know we're going to touch upon it later in in Greta Gotham. When you look at Second Son, you kind of see her psyche as well. You know, she has, oh, Steph, uh, that, you know, she has a job to do and she's going to do it. And this is the orders from the mayor and the mayor is her boss. And, you know, unless the law changes again, that's what she's going to do. It doesn't matter how she may personally feel. Uh, so I guess I have to be okay with that. It, 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 it's going to add to the story that we're getting and that's going to, that's supposed to lead us to future state. Um, so, I will withhold further judgment until then. But um, you know, she she she's doing what I would would expect her to do. Now, if it was Harley Harvey, I would be quite shocked if he would if he would you know fall in line with what Nakano wants to do. Because we even saw doing you know Joker War, he would rather walk away than to do what he knows isn't right. Uh, but Montoya definitely isn't, isn't that type of person. I'm a little torn.
1: I mean, I think we're all torn about this. I like Renee. Um, but one thing that really kind of bothers me about this move is that Renee was just the question. And in fact, Batman refers to that directly in the scene between them. He says, don't forget to ask the right questions. And you can almost see him wink. <laughs> Renee has been a costume vigilante herself and set aside the fact that it's kind of ridiculous that people can just leave the forest, come back and get promoted to the top cop position in Gotham. I mean, it is Gotham, so I guess some level of instability and chaos can be expected, but it's definitely not the kind of thing you'd expect in uh, most cities. Um, it is It is painful to see Montoya standing against Batman in this way because... And, and I don't know how much of this is because you know of my connection to to Gotham Central and um, you know her her writing by Greg Rucca in the new Gotham run of um, the Detective Comics t- uh, title. She was by the book and and passionate and and really a, an advocate of justice, but she also understood Batman, and she was not. The kind of person who we would usually see joining a campaign, uh, a moral panic against masked vigilantes who are attempting to save people in Gotham. So i I am really curious. Uh, I will say that this this was a difficult thing for me to deal with in the title, in in this issue, and I hope that. The story goes somewhere and doesn't just leave them at odds like this. Because if it, if this is the status quo for a year where Batman and the city just can't function together, it's going to be rough. So let's move on to our uh, Ghost Maker uh, backup. Uh, this is written, again, by James Tynan IV. Uh, art is by Ricardo Lopez, and the colors are by Tomo Mori. On his Superplane, The Ghost Stream... Ghostmaker leaves his male and sex, uh, female sex partners from his menage a trois to attack the capital fortress on Devil Skull Island where Madame Midas, the richest woman in the world, and her gang, including the instigator, uh, an alligator, <laughs> Razorline, Kid Kawhi, a murderous robot, and Brainstorm await him, having set a trap. He drops a mile from the castle and fights laser tigers. <laughs> First question is, uh, does this story make you more or less interested in Ghostmaker?
0: Um, I guess a little more interested in where he comes from and what his deal is and why I really want to know about his battle with Kid Kauai and the instigator the alligator. <laughs> oh, that one. That one stuck with me. I really liked the instigator. <laughs> um, and he is certainly a morally... Open, loose, whatever the word is, non-existent morals. I don't know. Uh, he seems he seems very different than Batman. Although I guess Bruce has done some weird things, but he's happy about it. Like this is who he is. This isn't his face to the to the Gotham elite. This is this is actually how he spends his free time. I don't know. It's a little weird. He's a weird guy.
2: So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to put my finger on how to describe this backup without without under without recognizing the fact that we're family friendly <laughs> I <laughs> Yes, so yes, the story was definitely crazy and 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 the characters are zany and and but if that first page again in in a book that's supposed to be rated for teenagers if that if the first few panels of that backup story didn't take you aback. And and it most definitely did. Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 this was more in not necessarily black label, but you know at least rated appropriately, I would just take this as you know a crazy story that we're getting in the backup that's somehow going to explain to us why Ghostmaker does what he do or do what he does. We're recording a podcast. So I don't feel like being proper English right now. <laughs> um, and I would be okay with that. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's definitely zany. It's def- it definitely leads questions, but it's it's just those first few pages were were weird to see in a teenage Rated book.
0: What is the Joker rated? That's a
1: 13 good plus. question.
0: That one's 13 plus. And that one, because the only thing stopping you from seeing Ms. Bane's nips is a bit of shadow in that one. And the lady is very much the focus of that panel, whereas I agree, like, and she's just full butt naked in the second to last page. Um, trying to, uh bothers me that I'm looking for this lady's nipples in this comic. There he goes. It's near the front. Yeah, yeah. There's only a little bit of shadow and some tubes and some water bubbles covering up her nipples and if conveniently plays a leg, covering up her other lady parts. So I, I totally agree because that is... As, like, sexualized as the poor Lady Bane is, that's, like, she's being tortured and experimented on, whereas the other one, she's in the arms of another guy. Um, so I, I do, I do, I think for both books, it definitely is, definitely pretty hyper-sexualized, and the fact that the Batman book is implying a pretty mature sexual act between three participants is definitely not a PG 13 thing to dim show.
1: I would definitely say it's PG 13. There's a lot of really pushing the envelope PG 13 movies out there, but this is definitely on the harder end of that rating spectrum.
2: And, you know, and and I'm telling my age and and I have no problem, (laughs) but, you know, the stuff that we're seeing in these panels, again, this is the type of stuff you would watch Scrambled Cinemax for on Friday night, you know when you're a teenage boy, and now it's just freely flowing through pages you know and as Ian mentioned it's freely you know pushing pushing the line in in uh in movies, so yeah. <laughs> Batwing being Batwang being one thing, but hey, that was in that was in black label. It was it was rated as for mature audiences. So you knew going in what you were getting into. But in in a book that's supposed to be for for teenagers, that's just that's just a little weird.
1: It is a bit odd. I'm not quite sure. But honestly, I would say that Tom King, Tom King for sure um, pushed the envelope. I mean, there was a lot of sexuality in his depiction of Batman and Catwoman. Bane was constantly naked and there was a lot of very brutal violence. So I oh think- yeah. And we still talk
2: today about how, you know, clay man loves to draw silly songs, <laughs> and, songs and showing butt views. So yeah, it's just, it's just weird. But this, this, this is, Almost extreme.
1: To me, I look at. I am kind of surprised they didn't rate this M, but they did. They do things like try and cover things up. And there's a scene that really kind of disturbed me of the cannibals with a a human body they're about to eat, but is covered by word bubbles. So they are trying to sort of skirt the line of what is uh, too graphic and too edgy. Um, But honestly, a book called The Joker to me. Um, is going to be that way, uh, at least at this time. In a, in, a, in a world where The Killing Joke is canon, and The Killing Joke has full-on nudity and full-on violence, um, it doesn't hide those things. Uh, in, a, in a world where The Killing Joke is canon to the main continuity of Joker's history with Batman, uh, a book called The Joker is going to, to push those boundaries because it's trying to look at evil and come away sane. And I think that is going to be uncomfortable um, that 's not to excuse immaturity um, and I do a lot of people are saying, oh i 'm much more interested in Ghostmaker now that he 's a, a bisexual character, and I think that this kind of plays into some negative stereotypes about bisexual people that they're you know hedonistic, and I think that's unfortunate, but Ghostmaker is supposed to be a morally ambiguous character he he 's a killer. Um, And he is arrogant. Um, So I think that while it's definitely not something that makes me more interested in his character, I do think that it is not necessarily something that goes against the character as it has been established. What do you think the purpose of this Ghostmaker backup will be? Maybe to
0: make us like him more? I don't know. <laughs> to show what he's capable of, maybe. He appears to also be loaded. I don't know why he's mooching off of Bruce's punching bag and sodas. But he appears to be fairly wealthy. Maybe just that show he's got the fighting chops and the money to help Bruce? I have no idea. Maybe to show how great Instigator is, and the Instigator is going to be a big part of Tynian's run in the future.
2: Do, do we know
1: how many issues the, this, this backup will be? Well, I was just checking that myself. Uh, we know it's going to run at least three issues because in um, this is 107, so 108 and 109 both uh, solicit more parts of this Madam Midas versus uh, Ghostmaker battle. So I'm wondering if in the
2: end what this backup does is establishes what we're going to get in the main story between between Bruce and, and Ghostmaker. You know this this battle per se between Ghostmaker and Madame Midas, you know, end up with them teaming up to scheme. Against Batman in some type of way, in you know, I don't know if if that's the ultimate end game, but it's possible. Uh, it, it's just hard to tell after after one issue.
1: Yeah, um, I originally phrased this question: uh, Do you think this issue is just uh, to try and show us how cool Ghostmaker is? And I think that that is my impression that we're supposed to think: Oh man, he's James Bond. He sleeps with whoever he wants. He has all these material pleasures with um you know all this great food that he, like the room where his bed is is like full of food and expensive wine and stuff and then his ghosts stream his super jet <laughs> I and, mean, and you, he's, he's a, a man of of pleasure and the brain because he says he's also bragging about how he solved all these problems while he was enjoying this uh encounter
2: and and my initial response to that initial question was going to be batman with a personality
1: <laughs> what Bruce has a personality. I think I think maybe I would say Batman without the sort of monk-like devotion to discipline.
2: Undisciplined Batman.
1: Yeah, an undisciplined Batman. I think that is a good way to sort of describe what's going on with Ghostmaker. And I do think that's interesting. I just don't like it cuz I like Batman's discipline. I like the fact that he tries so hard to save people. And, um, I mean, that's one of the things that I really fell in love with during Tom King's run is, uh, there's a conversation between Dick and Damien where Dick says that Batman's a lot of things. Bruce is a lot of things, but he's not selfish. He doesn't try to give himself things. And that Catwoman's one of the few things that he's tried to build into something that is, uh, more than just his mission. And I think that, is very interesting to contrast a man who's so self denying as Batman, with a man who doesn't deny himself almost anything, like Ghostmaker. So um, I think it's interesting. This is very anime. I mean, the kid Kawaii. Come on, he's tiny, <laughs> basically just writing a very hardcore uh, manga anime style adventures. Um, it's an interesting addition. It doesn't. Unlike the punchline story, which for me really added to the book, this didn't really add to the book. It was just kind of interesting. Um, so I'll be I'll be interested to see where this goes, but it's not a draw. Um, so, out of <laughs> five Ghostmaker boasts, how many would you give Batman number one hundred and seven?
0: I'm going to. Ugh, these are hard. I think I want to give it a three, but I think this is going somewhere very interesting, and I'm excited to see where it's going. Three, whatever it was, bat
2: boasts. I will give it a three as well. Um, definitely interested in seeing where JT's story is 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 going. And it's always good when you get a story that includes Matches Malone.
0: Oh, that's right. <gasps> matches is in here. I'm very excited about Matches. I love Matches.
2: He has a little gray, though. He does? Uh, so yeah. Just do Like it, it, it was a touch of gray, mm-hmm. you know, with, his, with this little neon lace uh, coat he was wearing. Yeah.
0: And he doesn't have his match <laughs> or his... Uh, Toothpick or whatever it is.
2: As matchstick.
0: As matchstick.
1: I just realized my mic was off and I was saying I also am really excited about Matches <laughs> Malone because I love it whenever Bruce goes undercover as matches. It's just so fun and smart and it gives a different side to Batman and the the underworld. It's um, So I'm, I'm very excited about that. But it doesn't – it's just at the very end of the book. So it doesn't quite add to the score. I'm also going to give it a three. Um, Scott on the website gave it a 3.5. Um, giving us a total average of three point one three uh, the mode again was three because three of the hosts in this case chose a three review it was um it wasn 't quite as exciting as that first issue, um, but it 's still good um, and of course jorge jimenez 's art is is a real plus um, there 's just a, a a few things that drag it down from that three point five um, the, the the tension the conflict between renee and batman uh harley just the uneasiness i have about harley's plot and and what i hope will happen what i'm afraid is going to happen i couldn't quite get me over that hump so
2: but, but but what does it say about about the rogues that they can't figure out that after all these years whenever matches malone shows up batman soon follows
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's just it's you got to love the rogues, or the rogues gallery, that is.
1: I agree. I think that, I mean, one of the reasons why Batman is such a top-tier character is he has so many people that challenge him in different ways and make those stories uh, more meaningful. All right, let's move on to Greater Gotham. So we just have... We just have three books we're going to cover. Uh, we have uh, Batman, Urban Legends, number two. We had a Red Hood story by Chip Zdarsky, Eddie Barrows, and Marcus Toe. An Oracle story by Cecil Castellucci um, and Marguerite Savage. Uh, Outsiders by Brandon Thomas and uh, Artist is Dunbar. And lastly, a Grifter story by Matthew Rosenberg and Ryan Benjamin. So out of those four stories, uh, which did you? which stood out to you?
0: I'm just hooked in the Red Hood story. Sad, sad, thoughtful mistake-making Jason is my favorite. I and the little kid that he's bonding with—it's just precious. The Batgirl story was confusing and stupid. Um, <laughs> that villain! Wow, that dress! Wow, um, I can't believe Barbara didn't find her. Uh, the 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 Outsiders is great. I love that there's this conflict of the angry mother in law fighting Tetsu. I thought that was our Tetsu. I thought that was very interesting. Had me definitely flipping pages. And then the Grifter one do we know who he's talking to on the intercom or is are we just led to believe that's maybe his dead brother he's kind of just talking to?
1: I unfortunately don't know or care enough <gasps> about Grifter to actually I
0: I'm in I'm I'm engaged enough in Grifter that I'm reading it. I don't think it's spectacular, but I find it engaging.
2: I am I am definitely on board with the Red Hut story. I love mm. this this Red Hood. Um I feel sorry for Steph for actually reading The Castelluccio. <laughs> I just flipped those pages on. I refuse to. Uh, just give Brandon Thomas an outsider's book. Yeah. Call it the day. Whether it's in main continuity or in future state, he seems to have these characters down pat. And I'm all in for it. So just just go all in. Go all in with him and just give him an outsider's book and let's call it today. day. And I skimmed through the grifter story, but outside of what his role is in Second Son uh, and in the main Batman book, I'm... Not really crazy about the one-time Wildstorm character. You can go back to that that universe.
1: (laughs) Well, I pretty much agree about with uh, Theo about Grifter. I read the story, but it's not sticking in my head. Uh, Outsiders, again, absolutely agree. Really engaging. Love those. Just love the way Thomas is writing these characters. It's really fun and engaging. Uh, Red Hood. I'm a little. I'm hoping that Zdarsky doesn't try and get us to agree too much with Jason's perspective of Batman because he did just slaughter a boy's father. And, yes, the boy's father was a bad, bad man. But I I am not in favor of Jason saying, oh, Bruce, you're so sanctimonious when he just (laughs) murdered a guy.
0: And he was, like, crying in the alley, like, I just did a really bad thing. Like, he was... Writhing in guilt moments ago, and now he's pissed off. <laughs> it's just
1: like, whatever. Just, I hope there's a little more moral complexity, and I think there probably will, because Szarzski's uh, a pretty good writer. Um, surprisingly, I it's because I hated Batman, Batgirl number fifty so much, but the Oracle story was a step up. Now, <laughs> stepping in garbage <laughs> is better than stepping in a sewer, so I'm not saying it's necessarily. A huge improvement but it was an improvement from batgirl 50 um i liked seeing babs mentor Stephen cass and uh, they weren't nearly as out of character as they were in batgirl 50 so i was on board with that so i would say that batman urban legends is uh a fun book uh it's fleshing out uh the story it really still reminds me of the Batman Chronicles book from the nineties where it's a bunch of anthology stories, but it has a more serialized nature since all these stories tend to continue with each other. Um, I'd recommend it if people are interested in the characters that are featured. What about you?
0: I Oh yeah. 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 The, 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 the Batgirl one was pretty other than the villainous and the other stories I thought were, were fun enough and engaging enough that it was, it was worth the whole book. <coughs>
2: Yeah, it, 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 minus the Castellucci story. I'm sorry. I just I, I refuse to read another story, but <laughs> again, unless I'm absolutely required to, the the stories were definitely good. I, I'm I'm definitely excited to see Sadowski doing work at DC. And again, if you if you sorry, Dustin, if you haven't read his Daredevil run. At Marvel, you are missing out on some great storytelling.
1: It is really good.
2: I also recommend his Daredevil. I just, and I just cannot, I just cannot advocate more for Brandon Thomas. He is quickly becoming one of my favorite writers. Again, not just with, with, uh, what he's doing with outsiders, but he, uh, did a story in this, uh, Graphic novel I backed on Kickstarter that was absolutely phenomenal, and he just did another um, Kickstarter that just finished with um, a book he did a while back called Excellence that I backed as well. But he is he is quickly becoming one of my favorite comic writers. He is he is a gem for DC to have right now. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping they give him more work as time goes on yes urban Legends is definitely a good story
1: definitely although i do want to mention that here at the batman universe comic podcast we call daredevil red batman so <laughs> all right so the next book in greater gotham we're covering is bat uh the next batman second son and we're covering the print issue number one which collects digital chapters one through four um one two three Oh, uh, are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's one through four because they're doing four issues of the print and it's a 12 issue run. Well, I did that when I did the review,
2: I did uh, only digital chapters one, two, three. And because I remember we discussed that because I thought it was just one and two. As a matter of fact, you said it was three. And then I found a story saying that it was three chapters as well.
1: Actually my math is, is bad. If you divide twelve by four it is three. So it's <laughs> I'm surprised Steph didn't clobber me.
0: I, I I was going to let you discover it on your own. It's the best way to learn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we have proved once again that I am an English major and not good at math. This is why Steph had to build a calculator for me. <laughs> um but I I just want to reiterate, um, I'm really stunned at how DC is marketing this book so weirdly. Because the way they marketed it, I thought it was going to take place in the future. But this is quite literally the third Batman book. This is the book that is explaining what's happening with Commissioner Montoya. Um, It deals with classic villains like Ratcatcher. You've got Batwing. You've got Tim slash Jace Fox. You got Lucius and his family. It's it's got a lot going on. I'm liking it a lot more than the next Batman, even though the art, of course, for the next Batman with uh Nick Darrington was phenomenal. This is quite decent art. And um just the plotting and the characterization is much more fleshed out than it was in uh Future State. So I am I'm really puzzled about why this book is so it feels hidden to me. <laughs> When it should be kind of like in the conversation with Batman and detective just because it's so tied into that.
0: Yeah, I don't have too much to say in addition to that. But yeah, this is basically required reading if you care about what's happening in the Batman universe right now and if you want to get all the information for the tie-ins to, or, you know, stuff leading up to to Future State. This is definitely required reading. It's starting to answer a lot of questions we had, like, why is Tam in the hospital? And what did Jace do that made everyone so mad at him? Like, it is literally answering all those questions. In fact, I did read one through four because that's what Ian told me to read. And... You know, we're finding out about Chubb and Whitaker who got an amazing amount of screen time for two characters we had never heard of in Future State. It's like, oh, now we know who they are. This is fabulous. So, um, yeah, definitely required reading.
2: As the reviewer of this this book for the site, it it warms my heart to to hear my fellow co-host just read my review and read my mind, uh because this is this is exactly you know their comments is exactly how I feel about about this book and and, and Ian made a great point, and, I, and as he says it, I totally agree this is the third Batman book because when you look at. What JT is doing when you look at what Mariko Tamaki is doing you have to read reading Second Son fits right in I mean it's almost as if you 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 can go out of Second Son right into that backup story in, in Infinite Frontier and then right into JT and Tamaki and now they're all integrated and You know, a lot of questions that I had concern and issues with as I reviewed the next Batman are starting to be starting to be answered. And. You have got to get that team credit for how they're doing it, and, you know, I love the way John Ridley, as he answers one of the questions or some of the questions. And again, we, in in the first three chapters, we've had a good bit of questions from the next Batman answered. And, you know, as we get into the second issue, which will be for digital chapters four, five, and six, we're going to see more of those, those questions answered. But I, I love that as he answers those questions, he leaves the door open with other questions that keeps you entrenched in the story. But again, it it, it it highlights, as we mentioned, as we talked about the Joker uh, issue and everything else, that these guys are, they're talking to each other, and they're touching upon issues, they're touching upon events in each of their stories, so that you you truly feel like you're in one universe and, you know, I had some concern with how future state ended and how the next Batman ended. And as I picked up, you know, the first digital chapter and I've been reading the digital chapters as compared to the issue itself, I quickly started to realize that again, you know, this, this is a story we should have gotten before uh, the next Batman, but I'm happy that, we're getting off panel land in panels now (laughs) i am i am definitely here for this
1: and the last title in greater gotham is an alternate universe uh take by tom taylor called batman the detective originally called batman the dark knight but they renamed it for some reason um this is uh this is the future uh, another future similar to Batman Catwoman, but Batman's kind of alone, except for the exciting edition of Knight and Squire. And this is Beryl Hutchison, uh, the former Squire, now become Knight. Um, I thought this was fun. Great art by Andy Kubert. Um, what do you guys think?
0: It's definitely a lot darker than I thought it would be, which is hilarious because I love Tom Taylor's deceased <laughs> so the fact that i'm calling this dark and it's not near as dark as deceased but it is it's got it's a sadder it's a sadder older wiser more loner batman but it is cool to see a little bit of there's a tiny bit of humor he has his personality um i i did enjoy this story it wasn't quite what i had expected from tom taylor but i I'm definitely in for the whole run. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it.
2: So before going further, let's say for the record right now that this is the second, seven, two Tom's book that Ian, Ian Miller actually writes. Let's make note of that.
3: <laughs>
1: uh,
2: yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in for this story. And, and, I love the addition of Squire and Knight from the old Batman Incorporated um, with Beryl assuming the Knight mantle. I, I, I was, I, it's going to be interesting to see how she survived falling out of her airplane, <laughs> and getting yeah. shot, which to me looked like it was at point blank range. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in for this. And, and, you know, yeah, it's definitely a dark story, but we know Tom Taylor can can do that type of stuff, so I'm in.
1: I, I would like to clarify, I said it's fun. I didn't say I necessarily thought it was the best. <laughs> um, you will not give that man credit. <laughs> it, it is very difficult for me. I will agree I have a bias, but...
0: You need to not pay attention to the writer. Just start it. That's how I know I hate Snyder. Is I don't pay attention to the writer when I start reading a story, and I go, I hate this. And I look, oh look, it's a Snyder story.
2: (laughs) When you read a story, when you when you read a writer long enough, you can tell without looking at the credits. Oh yeah, this is a Snyder story. I'm putting this. (laughs) Oh yeah, this is this this has been this written all over it. I need to. I need to chalk this. But yeah. Ian sees Tom Taylor and automatically that's a that's a battering lost.
1: Yeah. That? It's a good thing we're not rating it.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All Pull. right. Well, um <laughs> We we caught him off guard. We do. No, I'm <laughs> I'm looking at listener feedback right now and
0: Oh golly. Is there a lot of it? Yeah. We can just skip it and do it next time.
1: Um I I do wanna do one quick discord uh feedback i got from one of our newer listeners cortex he says that i like steph's way of speaking her sense of humor and she's nice so i thought that was a, a nice little thing um we do have a bunch of other comments but we're going to read them next time we went uh, quite a bit longer with stella's uh insightful commentary and this was such a landmark issue of joker But uh, we do have all your comments uh, in our document, and we'll read them next time. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I want to do a quick shout-out to our patrons on our support TBU. We also, of course, have the uh, affiliate links if you want to buy things from Amazon, Comixology, Lego, or so forth. Um, The Bat Fan Appreciation Wall um, says Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin-Bertoni, Rob O., Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Stephanie Mounts, Ian Miller, Um. Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Carr, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Cesar Diaz, and Wayne Walls. Thank you all for keeping the lights on and our server fees paid so we can keep this podcast on the air for you. Um, it's been a wonderful time talking about some of the best Batman comics available. And I hope that you will join us next time. In the meantime, my name is Ian.
0: This is Steph.
2: And this is Theo.
1: And keep on reading the Batman Universe comics.